0: You are listening to a mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, this is Satya Sundaram from Mint's Personal Finance team. We all know that the rise in equity markets is never linear. Volatility is the inherent nature of the equity stock market. But investors can reduce higher volatility by resorting to low volatility investing strategy. This style avoids stocks with higher volatility and aims to give equity-like returns. Is this possible? Let's check it out. In this episode, we have with us Shankar Narayanan Krishnan, Quant Hedge Fund Manager of Modiral Oswal AMC. He tells us about the low volatility indices available in India, how they have performed during the market downturn, and to what kind of investors this strategy is most suitable for.
1: Hi. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started on your money journey.
0: Hello Shankar, welcome to Why Not Mint Money podcast.
1: Hi Satya, thanks a lot for having me, it's a pleasure.
0: Thank you. Uh, Shankar, let's start with the definition of low volatility uh, investing strategy. Can you define that for our listeners?
1: Sure. So low volatility investing is a very simple style of investing right so let me back up a bit Uh, so there is this concept of factor investing which uh, i'm not sure if uh, everyone is familiar with all your listeners are familiar with the only reason being that it's a very very new space in india right Uh, but it's a huge space globally and uh, uh, so essentially what has happened in financial in the financial world is Everyone has always had this question, right? This undying quest to understand what works in the market. Everyone wants to the answer to that question. Right. Now, historically, how did that question get answered? Historically, uh, you know, your stalwart investors, what they would do is they would uh, go with the hypothesis, whether it is a valuation hypothesis or it is a, uh, let's say, a, a quality hypothesis and say, okay, let me load up my uh, portfolio with companies which are high on quality, which are very highly undervalued, and let that lead to the stream of returns over a period of time, right? So, that was a practitioner approach. When I say practitioner, that was an investor approach to uh, understanding what works in the market. But academicians, when I say academicians, largely economists, they also had a they also had some, they want, wanted to have some say in this matter, right? Because they said, okay, we are the intelligent part of the community. Uh, so we we should be contributing something here. And they thought, okay, what can we do differently from what an investor is already doing? We can look at data, right? So they started looking at data and they said, okay, let's look at data going back to 50 years, 100 years, in some cases, 200, 250 years, whatever the data is available. Let's run statistical analysis on that. And let's try and figure out what are those particular characteristics of companies, which, if I systematically take in my portfolio, will lead to superior outcomes over a period of time. Now, these characteristics, which were identified in this manner by these academicians, they were called factors. And the people who even like did a lot of groundbreaking work in identifying these factors have subsequently gone on to win Nobel Prizes. Okay. So that is a profound impact of uh, the identification of factors in the investment landscape globally, right? Uh, And these factors are not new by any means. So, these are terms like quality, value, momentum, size, you know, small cap and cap companies, which we are all familiar with. And one more thing, which is called low volatility. So, these are the most commonly used and most widely accepted group of factors which academicians, investors, everyone has agreed on, okay, that these are the factors that seem to over a period of time, if you have exposure to these factors in your portfolio will lead to outperformance. So this is a background, right? For why we should even be talking about low volatility today. So what then the crux of the question is what is the low volatility factor, right? So it's a very, very simple approach of investing uh, your portfolio in those companies which have the high, lowest price volatility, or in other words, the highest price stability. Okay. Uh, so it's a process of investing, which systematically, when I say systematically, through an automated process, continuously picks up the companies which have the maximum price stability, uh, which means that you, they may go from point A, maybe 100 rupees per share to 200 rupees per share, but that movement is going to be if you look at it from a 10,000 feet view it's going to look like a straight line whereas there could be another company which is also going from 100 to 200 but it's reaching 151 day then coming down to 121 day then going up to 220 one day coming back down again and then finally reaching 200 versus the low volatility company which will go from 100 to 200 but maybe by going up by one or two rupees every day right so, the price return of these companies, if I were to calculate mathematically, if I were to calculate the volatility of these price returns or the standard deviation of these price returns, right? The companies with the lowest standard deviation of price returns, so around the mean, they don't deviate as much. Uh, the companies which show or exhibit that behavior, they are called low volatility companies. And the strategy of selecting these companies in your portfolio and investing that uh, and consistently doing that. Maybe year on year or quarter on quarter over a period of time. That is what that is what low volatility investing is all about.
0: That's interesting. Now uh, each investing strategy may come up uh, with its own merits and demerits, right? So, what are the pros and cons of uh, low volatility uh, investing strategy?
1: Right. So uh, now it's a very interesting question. Uh, Often times. We are always in the quest to find a style of investing or a strategy of investing, which will make money at all points of money, right? But unfortunately, while that is the holy grail, we'll perhaps never attain it. Because if we could get a strategy, which could always keep making us money, and if all of us knew about it, then all of us should just be doing that, Right? Nobody should be doing anything else. We should all be just focused on, singularly, on investing in that one strategy, which is consistently winning for us. There is no strategy that exists which does that. Okay. Uh, So, similarly, for the low volatility strategy, there are going to be periods when it will underperform. Okay. So, one is absolute underperformance. One is relative underperformance. What does that mean? Absolute underperformance means the fear that you start with a certain corpus and your corpus deteriorates in best. So, you start with maybe a lakh of rupees and you've stayed invested in the market for a year. Your expectation is that that lakh grows to maybe lakh lakh 50,000, two lakhs, whatever that number is. But there is a chance that it can go down from a lakh to maybe 90,000 or 80,000. So, that is one of the risks associated with any equity style of investing. But it's also true for the low volatility strategy. Because at the end of the day, your portfolio is a portfolio of stocks of equity. Right? The second is relative underperformance. Relative underperformance is, uh, let's say you're making money. Your lag goes from lag to lakh 10,000. But had you, instead of investing in the low volatility strategy, had you invested in, uh, let's say, a uh, market, let's say the Nifty 50 index fund or something like that, and your corpus would have grown from lag to lakh 15,000, you have underperformed the index by 5,000, right? So while the index has returned 10 to 15%, your strategy has only been able to return 10%. So, there are going to be periods when the strategy underperforms. So, these are largely the drawbacks of the strategy. Now, let me back up a bit again uh, to give you a context of which are these periods when it outperforms and which are the periods when it underperforms.
0: That will be very helpful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I looked at the data, right? So, the low volatility, there is one popular index that is out there, which is… uh, and uh, the all standard disclaimers apply, this is uh, this is just a research-oriented discussion and I'm not trying to recommend a strategy or recommend uh, a particular style. I'm just trying to explain. Right? So uh, there is this index which is uh, published by NSE, which is available publicly, which is the NSE, um, NSE and BSE actually both have them. Uh, NSE also has a low volatility index and the BSE also has a low volatility index. Now, if you look at the performance of both these indices, right? they may not be identical, but they are very similar uh, and these uh, indices, so uh, have actually over a period of time, let's say over the last 15 years, have roughly about outperformed the benchmark, which is your, let's say, uh, Nifty, Nifty 200 or Nifty large and cap or whatever, right, by about 4 to 5% per annum, roughly. Okay. So, uh, if you look at it on a compounded annual growth rate basis. Uh, while your benchmark would have returned some, around 14%, your strategies, these low-volatility strategies would have returned 4% to 5% higher than that, over a 15-year window. Now, the natural question would be, uh, is it so that year-on-year, year you will get uh, the strategy to generate that 4 to 5% additional return? Meaning... In 2020, would it have done 4 to 5 percent more? In 2021, would it have done 4 to 5 percent more? And same in 2019, would it have done 4 to 5 percent more? The answer is no, right? So actually, if uh, so, again we looked at the data, uh, and over the last 15 years, I think roughly about uh, seven to eight years, I believe. I, I may be wrong on the numbers slightly, but seven to eight years, were the time periods when the strategy outperformed. In the balance year, the strategy underperformed. Which essentially means that the hit rate on a calendar year basis is not that high. Mm. Right? So on a calendar year basis, just about 50% of the time or slightly more than 50% of the time, the strategy is outperforming. Yeah. But still you are seeing that over a long time period, the strategy is outperformed by 4-5% to CAGR. So how is that possible? The reason why that is possible is because the low volatility strategy is actually one of the better performing strategies in a downward market. So, when the market is correcting, when there is a lot of uh, fear associated in the market or when the market is already overheated and it starts correcting and pulling off and things like that, right? Uh, In most of those time periods, what we've seen is generally that the low volatility strategy is one of the most consistent, better performing strategies. So, it has actually, so we looked at some four to five periods of drawdowns for the benchmark from 2007 to 2020. 22, which included your COVID, which included your subprime, which included uh, Yuan devaluation, which included paper uh, tantrum. In each of those periods, the low volatility strategy, and I'm just talking, I'm not talking about a complicated strategy, I'm just talking about the ones that are publicly available. Even those strategies have actually uh, outperformed in each of these four periods that I mentioned. Okay, And when I say outperform, I don't mean that they generated positive returns. I just mean that they fell lesser than the market so let's say during subprime, your market fell by close to 60 percent this strategy would have fallen by close to 40 45 percent just as an example right during COVID, again where your market peak to drop drawdown was somewhere around 38 39 percent the low volatility strategies drawdown could have been somewhere around 25 okay so the, it is falling but it is falling lesser
0: mm. okay okay
1: now The next obvious natural question would be, okay, it is falling lesser, but is it also going up at par with the market or is it underperforming the market in the subsequent rally back? So you have measured from peak to trough. What about trough to subsequent peak? So that is very interesting. Uh, The strategy consistently underperforms in the subsequent rally. Mm. But now, if I want to combine these two periods. Right, because that is what I have to eventually look at because if I have to live through the entire thing, the drawdown as well as the drawback up, uh, I have to live through that entire period, then which strategy turns out which strategy does better. Hmm. In each of those four periods that I mentioned, the low volatility strategy for the going down phase as well as the subsequent coming up phase, the strategy has done better than the in each of those four phases. Okay, and now there is a simple arithmetic reason for this, right? The reason is, and this is something which we keep talking about, which we keep saying, which we keep hearing, but it is never intuitive. If you fall by 10%, okay, now you want to come back to zero, it is not sufficient to come back up by 10%. You have to come back up by 11% just to come back to parity. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And now that number keeps increasing as you keep falling more and more. So, from 10% fall, if you were to fall by 20% now, Mm. in order to come back up to parity, you have to go up by 25%. Mm. And the moment you fall by 50%, you all know the answer, right? You have to go back up by 100% just to get back to zero. So, if you fall less, you don't need to work as hard to come back up to parity. And this is the beauty of the low volatility strategy. When we looked at the data, the downside capture was much lower, meaning... When the market fell by a certain percent, the strategy did not fall by the same percent. It fell by a lower number. The upside capture is again not 100%. It's not able to capture the entire upside.
0: Right. Put it very simply, um, you know, what you're trying to say is uh, uh, when there is a market downside, this strategy will help uh, protect the downside than when compared to the other benchmark returns.
1: Correct. Correct.
0: In the immediate uptrend, This strategy may not work well uh, again. That is because it has fallen less.
1: Exactly. But in the long run... It doesn't need to work well. Exactly.
0: Yeah. But what you're trying to say is, but in the long run, this has proven to work well when compared to the other benchmark.
1: Exactly. So...
0: Uh, Shankar, now we understood what this low volatility strategy is. Uh, How can individual investors implement this strategy while picking stocks or investing in mutual funds?
1: Right. So, now there are Let me answer it in three parts. Okay. Uh, So the first part is if you want to, if you are a DIY investor, who wants to do everything yourself, uh, the way to do it is to uh, look at the data, look at, uh, you know, the data for, you We have to start with the starting universe. And this is where the whole quantitative angle of investing comes in. The quantitative angle of investing never tries to uh, select individual companies Uh, you know, uh, and say, okay, this particular company is going to be a winner. It tries to play on odds. It says, I will construct a portfolio. That portfolio may have 30 stocks, 40 stocks. Out of those 40 stocks, my aim is to make sure that more than the return contribution from the winners is more than the return contribution of the losers. So, I'm winning more than I'm losing. It It will never be that every company will win because that will never happen. On average, you have to win. Right? So, hence, you are always better off when you start with a large enough sample size. Your sample size, if it is the top 500 companies, it is great. If not the top 500 companies, at least the top 200-250 companies by market capitalization, which is what the S&P index and the Nifty index also do. They start with the large and mid-cap index. Okay, so you start with those companies. Maybe you have 200-250 names. Start measuring the low volat- the volatility measure or the standard deviation of each of those 250 companies. Rank them in ascending order, and select a subset of that. Maybe you want to select one third of that list. Maybe you want to select half of that list. Maybe you want to select just a fifth of that list. That's up to you. Mm. But you decide that that and you select that. And you keep doing it quarter on quarter. So while I said it, it seems that it's a slightly more challenging and involved process. True, true. Because you have to get access to the data and you have to clean the data and you have to keep doing this process again. So, that, therein comes option number two. Option number two is to take exposure to an index fund ETF, a low-cost vehicle, uh, which tries to do something like this. So, there are a few products out there in the market, uh, maybe on the ETF wrapper or on the index fund wrapper, which tend to do this, uh, so which, which an investor can take access to. Uh, and the third is if someone is more comfortable with the strategy and wants to, uh, you know, get more involved with the, uh, nuances and implementation etc and doesn't want the index fund Then there could also be a third option which could be in a PMS or an AIF uh,
0: just curious Shikhar, Uh, can you tell us some stock names which are part of the benchmark and not part of the low volatility index uh, in India
1: uh, which are part of the benchmark and not part of the low volatility so there could be quite a few actually uh, coming to think of it uh, I would think uh, maybe the Adani companies don't make it. Okay. Uh, they may they may have a reasonable weight even in the Nifty Fifty, but they won't make it uh, into mm-hmm. the index. Uh, banking and financial services will get a lower exposure. Mm-hmm. So as an industry, uh, right, the banking and financial services sector uh, contribute about forty percent uh, of the benchmark. Right. So the Nifty Fifty has forty percent banks and. If you look at a low volatility strategy the banking financial services exposure will be very low maybe it is in the 15 20 percent range not more than that so it's a significant underweight vis-a-vis the best one uh, the third category which i would see uh, which is perhaps part of the index which is not part of uh, the low volatility portfolio maybe easier to answer the question the other way uh, which are the companies which are part of the low volatility index, which are of course part of the benchmark, but uh, these are more prominent in the uh, portfolio. So you will see a company like Gillette, you will see a company like uh, maybe Castrol and ITC, Uh, maybe you see a company like uh, Abbott, maybe Mm -hmm. you see a company like uh, um, Castrol and all those companies, which uh, consistently, uh, so they don't see crazy price action. Uh, They they also don't see a lot of fluctuations with respect to their uh, earnings reporting and things like that. Very stable businesses and also stable in terms of their price action. You'll also see companies like Infosys, perhaps even TCS in the mix.
0: Uh, Shankar, in terms of mutual fund investing, there are already enough categories uh, in the uh, industry Um, say like large cap, mid cap, small cap, flexi, uh, focused uh, value. So, there are enough categories already in the space. Now, to what kind of investors does this low volatility investment strategy uh, focused funds be suitable for?
1: Okay, great question. Uh, I start by answering first how this is different right? Of course, going beyond the strategy itself, low volatility in its most uh, how would I put it the most uh, uh, traditional way of low volatility investing is a quantitative style of investing. So there is no discretion involved at any stage where you start with the starting universe, select rank companies based on a metric and then you select a certain number of companies then you keep doing it uh, once every six months, once every three months, whatever. Now, all these things can actually be coded. So once you have put a code, once you have created a software, the software does not have emotion. Now, you just need to feed data to it and it will yield a final portfolio. Now, that final portfolio will consist of a certain number of companies and nobody knows what companies they are or how, what the corporate governance of those companies is. And what are the growth prospects of those companies and so on. But the model doesn't care. The model doesn't care about those things. The model simply says, this is a set of companies and this is a set of companies which the fund will be investing in. So there is no subjective decision making at any stage. Uh, so increasingly, you are seeing acceptance for these kind of strategies in India. People feel, okay, we have a reasonable, sizable exposure to the uh, side of the business which is discretionary. Let us also include a small sliver in the most systematic and quantitative style of investing as well. So, that is one. Second is, I don't believe the low volatility as a strategy is a timing strategy. Right? Uh, Because you can't really time market downturns. You may be able to take tactical calls that, okay, now metals are undervalued, so let me buy into metals. Or China is undervalued, so let me buy into China. But it's very difficult to predict a COVID. It's very difficult to predict a GFC. It's very difficult to predict one of those things. right? So what do you do? Typically, you would want to build your core portfolio with a group of assets which are going to be more stable than everything else. Right? Uh, having a low volatility exposure as part of one's core portfolio is perhaps a great starting. And what kind of investors will it suit- Will be suitable for? Um, I believe... It's suitable for all kinds of investors, but most suitable for someone who wants to experience equity markets, but at the same time is very, very wary of the volatility in the equity markets. So they want, but at the same time, they don't want debt markets because they feel that the debt markets are, you know, they don't give you as much returns.
0: Just because it is coming with low volatility, investors shouldn't consider that they can reduce their investment horizon and still be okay with uh, this investment. In
1: fact, right? absolutely. In fact, absolutely. In fact, the longer your investment horizon, mm. uh, the more chances you have of outperforming the benchmark. The idea is that your wave will perhaps be less bumpy as compared to that of the broader benchmark.
0: understand. That's beautifully put. Uh, that's all from us, uh, Shankar. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, this has been very insightful uh, for all of us thank you so much
1: fantastic thanks a lot thanks
0: that's all for now in this episode listeners if you have any queries or suggestions you can reach out to me on twitter my handle is at satya Sontanam. s-a-t-y-a s-o-n t-a-n-a-m or you can also write to us at mintmoney at livemint.com bye bye